I recently heard a story about a lady whose husband had passed away and the woman contacted her pastor and told him, God has spoken to me. He has told me that I am to give you all of my husband's old suits. If you don't mind, would you please come over and see if they fit? To which the pastor replied, if God told you to give them to me, they'll fit. <laughs> we've been in a series about hearing God's voice, and uh, we've been talking the last few weeks about it. And, you know, if the creator who made us, he gave us mouths, and he gave us, gave us vocal cords, and he gave us a tongue, and he gave us ears to hear, God made us to be people who communicate. And if God gave us the ability to communicate with each other, why would he not also provide the means for us to communicate with him? And so today I want to continue on this thought of hearing God's voice, but I want to look at how we hear God's voice in the ordinary, everyday stuff of life. I think most of us, when we think of God speaking to us, we think of it in supernatural ways, like God speaks through dreams, or he speaks through visions, or he speaks through prophetic utterances. And I believe in all of that, and God does speak that way. But I also believe that God speaks in the everyday. He doesn't just speak in the supernatural way, but he also speaks in natural ways as well. So I have four C's for us today, four everyday, ordinary ways that I believe you can hear God's voice regularly. The four C's I want to tell you today are he, God speaks through creation, God speaks through community, God speaks through our circumstances, and God speaks through communion. Let's start. First, God speaks in creation. Psalm 19.1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day they pour forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor their words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout the whole earth, and their words to the end of the world. God is speaking today through his creation. And creation is the expression of God's heart. Think of like a painter. How does a painter express? He expresses through his painting. You can see what's on the inside of a painter's heart, what they're feeling through what they have created. Or think of a musician who writes a song or composes a song. You see the feelings and you hear the thoughts of the writer through the song. And the same is true with God. God's creation is God's painting. It's God's masterpiece. And it's God's nonstop way, day and night. God is pouring forth speech all over the earth. If you want to hear God speak, sometimes all you got to do is get outside and enjoy his creation. Romans 1:19 says this, says they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So the scriptures declare that all the basic truths about God we can understand through his creation. And it leaves people with no excuse to deny his existence. 
I find it funny that there are people who, who try to deny God's existence, and they can deny God's existence all they want, but they absolutely cannot escape his creation. Every day they wake up, the sun is preaching to them. Every night when they go to sleep, the moon and the stars are declaring to them that there is a God out there, and there is a creator, and the creator loves them and cares for them. You know, Jesus would often use nature. Jesus would use creation in his sermons. He would remind us that even Solomon in all his glory wasn't as beautifully clothed as the lilies of the field. He would remind us that God is a God of provision through nature. If, if God provides for flowers and for grass, why won't God provide for us? He cares for us. He's concerned with the lilies and the sparrows. So he's concerned for us as well. Every part of nature can speak to us with the creator's voice. Here's the trick. The trick is slowing down long enough and not being distracted by the fast-paced world that we live in so we can slow down to hear him speak. Elizabeth Barrett Browning has a famous quote. She says this, Earth is crammed with heaven, every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. How do we hear God in creation? We have to slow down. We have to realize that he's speaking to us through it. We got to slow down and we have to enjoy it. God gave us his creation and he intended for us to enjoy it. And by enjoying it, I believe we will hear him speak to us through it. I believe that hearing God in creation is connected to rest and recreation. You know, we too often, we think rest and recreation are things that are luxuries, not essentials. The society we live in is all about innovation, moving forward, progress. And we feel like the only thing that matters is progress. So we have faster cars, faster phones, bigger TVs, 5G speed. And we assume that we're going to connect with God the same way. Like there's some kind of life hack for connecting with God, a way to do it faster, more efficient, and better. But actually, the way we connect with God is not by faster, better. The way we connect with God is by slowing down, taking a rest, playing. <laughs> we have to come back to the idea of Sabbath. Yes, God blesses work. Six days you should work, but God blesses a day of rest. So please listen to me. You were made to rest. You know, there's something interesting about my kids. When my kids get really tired, when they need a nap, when they haven't had enough sleep, my kids get irrational. They get out of their mind. They get super emotional and they're tired and you can't really tell them anything. They're not, they won't listen. Listen to me. Maybe we're not hearing God's voice because we are not rested. We need to Sabbath. We need a break. Nathan Vinocchio says this, the point of Sabbath in the Old Testament is to remind our panicked souls that the Lord is our shepherd. We don't make the sun go up or come down. We don't make the ocean roar or calm. We don't decide if mountains are snow-capped. God does. God is God. He makes things grow. He sends rain and snow and controls the sun. He makes our world habitable. You see, Sabbath is important because it makes you rest from your self-sufficiency. 
It makes you rest from thinking that you actually have any control in this world. It makes you realize and come back to the point that God is the one who is in control. And when you rest, when you go and enjoy God's creation, what if hearing God speak to you? What if God giving you the word that you've been needing is on the other side of a vacation? (laughs) Or if it's on the other side of a hike? Or if it's on the other side of going fishing? Do you hear what your pastor is telling you today? I'm telling you to go fishing. You need to do it. Go fishing. It's good. It's from the Lord. We have to stop and slow down and connect with God and his creation. So I'm telling you to go fishing. I'm telling you to go hiking. I'm telling you to go to the beach. This is where we declutter our souls so God can speak to us more clearly. Okay, I'm telling you, start a garden. Take a walk in the neighborhood. Take five or ten minutes at the end of the day and watch the sunset. Put a bird feeder up in the yard and watch the birds and let God speak to you there. Go play around to golf. Go read that book in that coffee shop. I believe God will meet you there. Haley Barton says this, We are blind to the bush that is burning in our own backyard and the wisdom that is contained within it. We long for a word from the Lord, but somehow we have been suckered into believing that the pace we keep is what leadership or life requires. We slide inexorably into the way of life that offers little or no opportunity for paying attention. And then we wonder why we are not hearing from God. God wants to speak to you. One of the ways he speaks to us is in his creation. But you have to slow down long enough. You have to take a break. You have to take a Sabbath. You have to take a rest. Now listen, a pastor usually doesn't announce when he's leaving or going out of town. But at the end of the month, I'm going out of town. I'm going on vacation. I ain't going to be here on a Sunday. And you know what? You need me to not be here. You need me to take time off. You need me to take a few Sundays off. Why? Because God will speak to me. God will meet me. I'll be a better pastor because I'm resting. You need to do that too. You need rest. You need recreation. You need to play. Go enjoy God's creation. The next C is community. So now that I have you all excited about taking a nature walk, let me bring this thing back around because you might be tempted to think, and it's been popular, a popular thought in our current church culture that, that I don't need anyone else that my relationship with God, it's just me and God. I go out into the woods and he speaks and I don't need other people. And so you cut yourself off from the community of God. But I want to tell you, you really can't cut yourself off from the community of God because the community, just like nature, just like creation, the community is how God speaks to us as well. To cut yourself off from the community of God, you actually be could be cutting yourself off from the voice of God. So for me personally, outside of hearing God through his word, the community has been the number one way which God has spoken to me. The word of the Lord for my life has often been in the mouths of other brothers and sisters, spiritual fathers and mothers. God designed it to be this way. God designed it in such a way that nobody, nobody who calls himself a believer or a follower of Christ, nobody can say, I don't belong, and nobody can say, I'm not needed. You cannot be a part of the body of Christ and say, I don't belong. You absolutely belong to the body of Christ. And you cannot say, I'm not needed. 
Ephesians 4.15 settles this for us. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Each part, when working properly, makes the body grow and it builds itself up in love. You see, you need someone who's speaking truth and love in your life. Who has permission to speak truth to you? Who has permission to wound you? Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. See, you need someone to speak truth to you and not just flatter you all the time or to tell you what you want to hear. You need the truth spoken to you in love. We need the community. Now, the Word of God, I believe, comes all, often through the community of God. At your house, there actually might be several copies laying around your house of a printed Bible. And I'm thankful for that. I have this Bible here. I have a personal copy of God's Word. I've got several personal copies. I got a Bible I read out of. I got a Bible I preach out of. I got different types of Bibles, and that's awesome. But you need to know it's not been that way always. It's really only the past 600 years that we have the ability to have our own copies of the Bible. So in the first century, most believers would not have a personal copy of the Scriptures in their homes unless they were wealthy. Well, there was no printing press. So if, if you had a copy, it would have been handwritten. That's extremely rare. So here's what I want you to know about the Bible. I'm glad you have a personal copy of the Bible. But the Bible is not just a personal book. The Bible is actually a communal book. How did they read it in the first century? They would have to come together as a community. And there might be one copy uh, per synagogue or one copy per community. And they would come together and they would read aloud to the community of believers the Bible. Do you know that the Bible was written to be read aloud? That's, that's why, that's one of the, it, is, it was meant to be written so someone would read it and a community would hear it. So I'm grateful that you have a Bible. I'm grateful that you have a personal copy of the Bible. But here's what I'm trying to get at. The Bible is not... Uh, subject to your personal interpretations, your own private interpretations. You're actually not allowed to have private interpretations of the scriptures. No, the Bible is a communal book. It's a book that, that we are connected to a great cloud of witnesses from ages past and how they read the Bible and how God spoke to them through the word of God. That has an effect and a bearing on us today. The Bible is a communal book and we're meant to read it together in a community. And then we will, we will discern the voice of the Lord together. So we have to learn to discern the voice of God in community. And I think the story in the Bible for me that best illustrates this is when God is speaking to Samuel. I don't know if you remember when God is trying to speak to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel's just a young boy. He's serving in the temple. He's serving under the priest Eli. Three times in the middle of the night, God calls Samuel's name, Samuel. Samuel gets up, he hears his voice called, he goes and he runs to Eli and he says, did you call me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. So Samuel goes and lays back down and it happens two more times. God calls Samuel 
and Samuel runs to Eli. He's like, did you call me? And it's like, no, man, I'm not calling you. I'm not the one speaking your name. And then Eli realizes, wait a minute, maybe God, maybe Yahweh is trying to speak to Samuel. And he says, Samuel, if that voice calls your name again, next time, just respond, speak for your servant is listening. And that's exactly what Samuel did. And the Lord spoke to Samuel. And on that day, a prophet was born in the nation of Israel. Samuel learned to discern the voice of God through Eli, the high priest. Listen to me. If you want to learn how to hear God's voice, you're going to learn how to hear God's voice in a community. In a said, it's not going to be just you by yourself. Just like someone had to teach Samuel how to hear God's voice. I believe we need people. We need help. God speaks through the community and we learn to discern his voice through the community. You know, I, my family, we have a new, a new puppy at home. <laughs> and I have to admit to you that the dog that we got, he is quite the looker. He's a good looking dog. And uh, if you saw my dog, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that dog's cute. That dog's pretty cute. Um, but here's what I've noticed when I'm out in public. Here's what happens. When I'm out in public with my children, people might look at me and they might give a brief smile to one of my kids. A lot of times they're just giving me the stank eye because one of them's acting crazy. Or they just ignore my kids. Okay? But when I'm out in public with this dog, people stop and they say, Oh my goodness, that is the cutest dog I've ever seen. They want to pet the dog. They want to give it a treat. I actually had one guy offer me $2,500 to buy the dog. I promise you, $2,500. And I was like, okay, you can have him. My wife wouldn't let me sell him. But I was like, babe, we got to do it. Great return on investment. But I mean, the dog is cute. And people will stop and they'll make a big deal over the dog because it's absolutely adorable and, and, and people love it. But here's what I've come to realize about people. Here's what I've come to realize. People like dogs more than they like humans. <laughs> People like their dogs more than they like humans. And I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. Because dogs are never going to call you out on your stuff. When was the last time you had the dog in the car and your dog looked over at you and said, McDonald's, again? <laughs> when was the last time your dog looked at you and said, you know what, you really need to start watching your sugar? When was the last time your dog looked at you and, and, and they said, Wow, you just keep charging things on that credit card, don't you? When was the last time your dog looked at you and said, you know what, I think your life is out of order. No, your dog doesn't say anything to you. Your dog loves you just the way you are. <laughs> your, your dog loves you unconditionally. And that's why we love dogs so much and not so much people. Because people tell you or they get in your, they get in your stuff and they tell you what's wrong in your life. And if you cut yourself off from people who will speak truth to you, you're stunting your growth in God. You could be missing out on the voice of God in your life. Jesus put us in community. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus always discipled people in groups. He never discipled them alone. Because discipleship doesn't happen in a vacuum. Your growth in Christ doesn't happen in a vacuum. Jesus didn't have one-on-one -on -one meetings with each disciple in the Gospels. No, he discipled them in a group together. That's because when you get in a group together, other people start getting on your nerves and you can't stand people. And, and then you have to learn to put up with each other. And that's where you learn to love like Christ loves is in community 
God speaks in community. And I want to take a moment and just recognize, because we're at the end of a, a group semester here, and I just want to say a big thank you to all our C group leaders. Because community doesn't happen just by osmosis. There's people that try to help foster community here, and we call those C group leaders. And I just want to thank all of our leaders and say, you've done so well. You've done so marvelous this last C group semester. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. It would not happen without you. And you know what? I, the, the kingdom of God runs on leaders. We need leaders. Our church needs leaders. And so I actually want to take a moment and just let you know, I'm inviting you to something in the month of June, three Wednesday nights. Uh, we have three Wednesday nights in a row that we are going to have what we call leader nights here at the church. We're going to come together and we're going to eat a meal together and we're going to hang out together. And I just want to come and speak on the topics of leadership. I want you to be a better leader in your home. I want you to be a better leader at your job. I want you to be a leader in life. And so we're going to have three nights in June. I want to just invite you to that. All right. So God speaks through his creation. He speaks through community, but God also speaks through circumstances. God will speak to us through the circumstances of life. So where do you find yourself today? What season do you find yourself in? Maybe you're in a winter season where everything on the outside kind of looks dead and gone. You don't, there's no fruit in your life. Maybe you feel like you've lost some things that you once had and maybe you feel barren. Maybe you're in a summer season. Maybe the sun is shining and everything is good. Maybe you're in a harvest season where it seems like years and years of hard work is finally paying off and you're reaping all that you've sown. Or maybe you're in springtime and you're planning new things for the future. I don't know where you are today, but here's what I do know. Life is about seasons. And the thing about seasons is this. You have to do the right things according to what season you're in. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, For everything there's a season and a time and a matter for everything under heaven. Proverbs 10, 5 says, And he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So you've got to lean into whatever season you're in. Lean into it, because it won't be that season forever. And so we need to ask ourselves, what season am I in? And what is the corresponding action for the season that I'm in? Don't be like me. You know what? We're heading into summer. I like summer, but I love fall. Fall's my jam. So in the summer, I like it, but sometime after July 4th, I'm completely over summer. It's hot. All the holidays are over. I just want it to be 70 degrees. I want the leaves to change. I want Georgia football to be on the television. So from July till September, I'm a miserable, mad, and angry person. Sometimes I will protest. I'll wear a sweater in August, just wishing for another season. Now, it doesn't help me at all. It actually makes me more miserable but rather than living and learning and hearing in the season that I'm in, I'm always wishing for that next season. And we can do this with God. We can despise the season that we're in and wish we were in something else. But you're missing God's voice if you do that. Listen, if you're in a winter season, winter is the time where the sap in trees, instead of going up and outwards towards its branches to produce leaves, the sap goes downwards into the roots to strengthen and uh, bring nutrients to the roots. So if you're in a winter season right now, that's the time for you to do some soul work, to go deep within, let God do some work within your heart. 
If maybe you're in a springtime season, maybe it's time to sow. Maybe it's time to plant. Maybe God's telling you, don't despise small beginnings. Go and sow those seeds. And in due time, you'll see the harvest that comes. Maybe you're in summer. Maybe the sun is out. Maybe this is a time for you to rest and relax and enjoy what you have, you know, the work you've done. Maybe you're in a fall time. Maybe you're in a harvest season where you, you've put your hand to the plow and you get to work and you start reaping the years of investment. Every season has its purpose. Don't despise it. God is going to use what he's doing in this season because what he's doing in this season, you're going to carry it over into the next. Nothing is wasted. It reminds me of Joshua in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, 11 says this, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. See, I love this story about Joshua. Because the tent of meeting is where Moses would meet with God. God would speak to Moses. But Joshua was just an assistant. He was not the man. He was not the guy. He was not the leader. He was just an assistant. But I love how Joshua used the season and time of his life as an assistant under Moses. You see, Moses is the leader. Moses had business to attend to. Moses had a busy schedule. He would hear God in the tent, but then Moses would have to go and leave and do what God said and, 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 and get after uh, the matters at hand. But what Joshua saw was an opportunity. I can stay back in this tent. I can stay with Yahweh. I can be in the presence of God because I don't have those leadership responsibilities yet. So he stays behind in God's presence. He just, he marinates in God's presence. He had the time to do it. Why? Because of the season he was in. But I want you to notice, who does God speak to in the tent? God speaks to Moses. We don't have any knowledge of Joshua hearing God's voice. All we know is that God would speak to Moses. But in Joshua 1.3, it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead now. Therefore arise, go over into the Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving you, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given it to you just as I promised Moses. So now God speaks to Joshua. The word of the Lord comes to Joshua and it marks a new season in his life. He's moving from assistant to leader. He has a mission to do. So now God is speaking to him about that mission. He has a massive calling on his life and Joshua was ready to receive it. Why? I believe he was ready because he didn't waste his season as an assistant. He was a faithful number two guy for a long time. He developed a hunger for God's presence and his word in the secret place. And one day what he developed in the secret place became public for everyone else to see. Don't despise the secret. Don't despise the dark room. The dark room is where the pictures are getting developed. Let God develop you in the dark. Don't rush it. Lean into the season that you are in. I want to speak just for a brief moment about people that you, maybe you're in a season of pain. You're in a season of hardship. C.S. Lewis says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. 
He speaks in our consciousness, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain, if you allow it, will train you for godliness. Hebrews 12, 11 says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Pain is something that God is going to use in your life to train us for godliness. Now, I'm not saying that God has caused your pain. There are a lot of reasons for the pain you may be experiencing today. But I will say God is not going to waste your pain. He's going to use it to bring about his purpose in your life. God will use the pain of rejection to let you know that your identity is in him and in nobody else. God will use the pain of poverty to let you know that he's more than enough and can supply all your needs. God will take the pain of death to let you know that he is the resurrection and the life and that this earth is not the end and that he has the final say in your life. God will use the pain of disillusionment to let you know that he is the answer that you have been looking for. God won't waste your pain. So God speaks through creation. God speaks through community. God speaks through our circumstances. And here's the last one. God speaks through communion. Now, I started this message by saying that I want to talk about ordinary things. And I hesitate to call communion ordinary. But I think communion probably best represents how God speaks through natural means. I mean, how ordinary is bread? How ordinary and earthly is wine in Jesus' day? It would be very common. Yet through the ordinary bread and the ordinary wine, Jesus says that we are partaking of his body and his blood. God uses the ordinary things of life. He infuses them with his spirit and brings life to us. Communion is a way in which we encounter the presence of Jesus. This is most evident, I think, in the story in the walk of Emmaus. If you remember in Luke 24, Jesus has been resurrected and his disciples don't know it yet. And Jesus comes alongside two disciples who are walking down the road to Emmaus. They're perplexed, they're confused, they're hurting, they're distraught. Their hopes in the Messiah did not materialize. And Jesus joins them on the road and their eyes were not open to see it. Jesus was walking with them, standing right in front of them, even talking to them, but their eyes didn't see it. They couldn't recognize him. They were blind to it. They talked with him about the scriptures, and let's pick up in verse 28. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So we went in to stay with him, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed and broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and immediately they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? It was in the breaking of the bread that the revelation came. It was in the breaking of the bread that they realized that Jesus had been with them the whole time, 
walking with them in their disappointment. Jesus had been speaking to them the whole time. They just didn't know it was him. But when he broke the bread, the eyes of their heart were opened and they saw Jesus. The bread and the cup led them to an encounter. And I believe that the bread and the cup, as we remember Jesus, leads us to an encounter. And if you look back at the story of Emmaus, you actually are going to see God speaking through all the things we've talked about today. In the ordinary, God is speaking. God is speaking to these disciples as they're walking on the road. They're out in creation. They're taking a walk. And Jesus is beside them talking. They, are, they sit down at the table together together. They're, they're at a table. They're looking at each other face to face to receive communion. They're in community together. And Jesus is with them in the community. And Jesus is speaking to them in community. They're talking about the, the circumstances that they've been walking through. They're talking about the disappointment they had in their Messiah being, being, uh, being killed and being crucified. And, and in that circumstance, Jesus walks them through the scriptures and lets them see how maybe they had some ideas that were wrong. Maybe the disappointment and the disillusionment they're feeling is because their ideas about the, who the Messiah was going to be were wrong and their expectations were wrong. And it took that pain and disappointment for them to realize Jesus speaks in their circumstances. And then Jesus breaks the bread and their eyes are open. Ordinary means everyday life, God speaks to them. I challenge you, let's look for God in the supernatural, but let's also look for God in the natural. Let's get out, let's have some recreation, let's play. Let's get connected to a community of faith and stay in it, even though it's jacked up people. It's crazy, but jacked up people can speak God's word into your very life. Let's lean into the season, whatever circumstance we're in. God's doing something in us in that moment. He's teaching us something. And let's take the bread and the cup regularly together. Because in it, I believe Jesus will be revealed. Father, I pray for your people today that are watching. I pray, Lord, that we would be people that hear your voice, not just in supernatural ways, but also in the natural, in the ordinary, in the everyday. Lord, we hear your words today. Let them be applied to our life. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. As we take communion, Lord, let us remember those things, Lord, that our life is hidden in Christ. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for tuning in today to the virtual church.